Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Surrogacy Podcast. In this series, not only will I be asking other surrogates to tell their stories from filling out the application to delivery to postpartum, we will also be diving deeper into each step of the surrogacy process. Please keep in mind that every surrogacy agency operates slightly differently, and the purpose of this podcast is to provide general information based on each person's individual stories. If you have a question or topic you'd like us to discuss, send over an email to the surrogacy podcast at gmail.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back for episode five of the surrogacy podcast. Today's episode is going to be a shorter one because I just wanted to go over all of the commonly used acronyms and lingo that we use so that as you're researching your own journey, you can have a better understanding of these terms. Um, and then if you hear other surrogates in the interviews mentioning these terms, you'll, you'll understand what they're talking about. So, um, the first one, the acronym would be GS or GC. And that means either a gestational surrogacy or a gestational carrier. And what that means is that the carrying mother does not have any biological relationship to the baby. So the surrogate is basically just using her her uterus and has no eggs involved in the process. Um, So she doesn't have any biological relationship to the, the child. So the other type of surrogacy is a traditional surrogacy, which is um, referred to as TS. So a traditional surrogacy, the ma- the surrogate does have biological relation to the baby. So the surrogate would be using her own eggs and it would be fertilized with the, the either the biological father's sperm or, or a sperm donor, however the intended parents decide to go about that. So um, traditional surrogacy is not very common. Usually it's going to be a gestational surrogacy, especially through an agency, just because they don't want to get into like parental rights. And if you have a biological relationship, that gets really tricky. So gest- gestational surrogacy is most common. I haven't heard of many traditional surrogacies anymore. So the next term would be ART, A-R-T, and that stands for Assisted Reproductive Technology. Um, The next one, which I think we're all pretty familiar with, is IVF. That stands for in vitro fertilization, which is the the process that you undergo during this. So the next term is RE, reproductive endocrinologist. Um, That is the, what we usually refer to as the fertility doctor. That's the doctor that is qualifying you to become a surrogate. They're screening you medically. They're doing other exams and they're... Um, the ones that would be doing the embryo transfer as well, prescribing the medications. Um, So that would be a reproductive endocrinologist, RE. Uh, The next one, I'm totally going to butcher this term. (laughs) So I think most of us normally just use the three letter HSG. Um, It stands for, and again, this is like the longest medical term ever. So (laughs) hysterosalpingogram. HSG, this is a medical procedure uh, performed at your final medical evaluation before you're approved to become a surrogate. So this is, they use a, like a special fluoroscopic x-ray procedure. They evaluate the openness of the fallopian tubes, the shape of the uterine cavity. Um, it detects things like uterine or ovarian polyps and cysts. Those would have to be removed before you'd be eligible to be a surrogate. I actually did have an ovarian um, cyst 
with my second journey, which I'm currently on right now. Um, but luckily, so sometimes they go away on their own. Sometimes you have to have them surgically removed. I was lucky enough. I waited a month and it was gone. So, um, there's nothing to be worried about, but it can affect a pregnancy. Um, a lot of the times the, the cysts or polyps develop due to the hormones from the birth control that you could be on. So there's, it's not something to be super concerned about, but they do have to be removed before you could proceed. So that whole procedure is called HSG, hysteropalgingogram. See, I told you I would butcher it. So anyways, um, the next term is ED, egg donor, IP, intended parent, IF, intended father, IM, intended mother, and then the next one, PIO, that is uh, stands for progesterone in oil, and that is one of the medications that you'll that you take during the process. It's an injectable intramuscular medication, progesterone in oil, PIO. Um, the next one, ET, embryo transfer, and then we have FET, frozen embryo transfer, and then SET, single embryo transfer as opposed to um, transferring multiple embryos. Um, and then the next term is singleton. Uh, it's kind of a funny term. I remember when I first started in this process and they kept saying singleton, singleton. I just thought that sounded really silly, um, but it just refers to being pregnant with one baby instead of multiples. So if they transfer two embryos and only one sticks, it's a singleton pregnancy. If they transfer one embryo and one embryo sticks, still a singleton pregnancy. So it just refers to being pregnant with one. Um, DPT is stands for days post transfer, um, that we usually use when we're trying to figure out if we're pregnant or not. How many days post transfer are you, um, <laughs> uh, to see if we can take a pregnancy test or not. So, uh, next term is two WW. I think, uh, pretty much everybody is familiar with that term, but it stands for two week wait. That's the two week wait, the excruciating two week wait after you have, the embryo transfer or after you're trying to get pregnant and you're waiting to have a po positive pregnancy test. Uh, the next term is DP5DT, DP5DT, and that stands for days post five day transfer. Uh, what that means is so typically, I think most commonly from what I've seen, the embryos are usually five days old at transfer. So they were grown in a lab for five days and then either frozen on day five and then transferred whenever the transfer happens, or it was a fresh embryo transfer at five days of gestation. So um, DP5DT, days post five day transfer. And again, we would use that term if we were trying to figure out when we could take a pregnancy test after the embryo transfer. So technically, if on transfer day, you've transferred an embryo that has been grown for five days at the day of transfer, you would be considered like two to three weeks pregnant already. So then after that, you would wait another 10 days, which would be like four weeks. So if you got a positive pregnancy test after 10 days of uh, 10 days after the transfer, you would be considered four weeks pregnant. Um, and you would most likely be able to read a home pregnancy test and it would it would read positive if you were pregnant. It could it could be detected that early. So um, the next term is beta. And we just use that term um, when we are getting the blood test to see if we're pregnant. So again, after 10 days 
uh, after the transfer, you would go in and get a blood test, which we refer to as the beta test or your beta numbers, tests for the rise in the HCG levels in your blood. And based on how those numbers multiply over the next few days after this, those 10 days, um, that would determine if you were pregnant or not. And then if the numbers are rising appropriately over a four-day period or five-day period, then you would go in for an ultrasound if those numbers look good. And then the ultrasound would would be the final decision maker on if you were pregnant or not. Um, And then the next term, HPT, uh, home pregnancy test. Uh, I think we all pretty much know that one. And then the last one that I wanted to go over is PBO, pre-birth order. This is a legal document. Um, It protects the rights of the intended parents It establishes their parental rights before the baby is born. Um, And that is a document that's typically drawn up by the attorneys and it's, they send it to the hospital or they bring it with them to the hospital so that when the baby is born, the hospital knows that the baby is not mine. It is the the legal rights to the parents had that for this baby. So um, that is a pretty important document. So, uh, and there is one more, I'm sorry, Indy. Indy refers to independent journey. And uh, that would be independent versus with an agency. We've talked about that in a previous podcast episode, but I would normally always do with an agency because I think that they do a good job of protecting you as the surrogate. Uh, Independent journey can get a little tricky, especially if you haven't done it before. So uh, anyways, ND refers to independent, independent journey. So Um, Yeah, like I said, this was going to be a short episode today. I just wanted to go over those terms. I know that there's a lot of websites on Google that have lists of acronyms and terms and lingo that you can research, but I just wanted to go over that on here. So yeah, that's going to be it for today and I'll see you guys next time. Thanks for listening.